Thank you for listening and welcome to the Revival Church Sermon Podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Revival Church is a non-denominational church located in Holiday, Florida. For more information, please visit us on the web at revivalccfl.com slash go. Praise God. Go ahead and grab a seat, guys, and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Hey, Beth, how are you? Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Amen, amen. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Father God, thank you so much for this day. God, again, I just pray as we get in your word right now, help us to focus, to put any distractions aside, to allow that seed to fall in good soil today. Speak to every one of us today, God, and help us to walk out of here different, looking more like you and less like ourselves. We love you, Father. Be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. We're going to continue with our sermon series on love today. We've been studying through this as we lay a foundation for this church. And today we're going to look at a very simple yet a very profound principle. And it's this. Love is a decision and not an emotion. And it seems like, well, duh, Rami, we know that. But that's not really how we live. Modern day love is all emotions. Emotions run everything. I love you, I don't love you, I'm mad, I'm unhappy, I'm leaving, I'm, it's all emotions. And we're going to look today at a man named Stephen, who was an amazing man. He was a deacon. He was serving people, loving people, feeding the hungry, doing all these good things. And then eventually these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they get, they get mad and they want to shut this dude down and they eventually, they, they wind up uh, seizing him, arresting him. And he winds up going on in the previous chapter with a very strong defense of the faith. He tells them the whole history of Israel and how Jesus is the Messiah. But then they decide they want to kill this guy. Because sometimes speaking truth. You feel me? But I want you to see how Stephen responds. Because he is able to absorb hate and somehow give love. And in church, it's easy to say amen to that. Yeah, amen, brother. That sounds good. Yeah, praise God. In real life, good Lord, that's hard. You ever murder somebody with your mind? Yeah, y'all are too spiritual. Okay, I got you. I got you. Pastor Rami, we don't know what you're talking about. I usually just strum the harp and skip off into the sunset. All right, all right, let's get real, let's get busy. All ready? Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. So here's what's going to happen. He, he gives them this whole background of what is going on and why Jesus is the Messiah, and they get furious. And, and, and we're going to pick up in verse 54 as we look at how, again, you're able to give love in the midst of hate and how we can actually apply that to our own life. My glasses, there you go. Verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin, again, that's the religious governing council, heard this, they were furious. 
and gnash your teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man, that's Jesus, whenever you hear the term, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's the guy that eventually becomes Paul. He was persecuting the church, and eventually God uses him in a mighty way to reach this world with the gospel. But back then, he was butchering Christians before God got a hold of his heart. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Watch this now. Watch this love. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out. Watch this. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Amen. That'll preach, man. Hallelujah. Emotions. Emotions are a very intricate part of our, our culture. We make so many decisions based on emotions. I can't help it. I feel this way. I can't help it. I'm depressed. I'm mad at him. I'm furious at her. I'm leaving. Call the divorce attorney. Emotions. But what are emotions? I mean, let's start as we lay down a foundation. I know a lot of y'all here very closely. We've talked a few times. And, 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 and some of us here are very emotional. And emotions are beautiful things, but when you're controlled by your emotions, you're going to have a miserable life. So what is an emotion? Like, really think about it for a second. It's just neurochemicals in your body. That, that, that's all an emotion is. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. It's really powerful. I've been crying in bed for three days. That's literally all it is. It's just neurochemicals in your body that can easily be changed. But yet we give them such weight. Somewhere in the world, someone's going to offer himself today because of emotions. There's a father leaving his family today because of emotions. There's a woman who has not left bed for three days crying because of emotions. And, 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 and they're not that powerful. We just give them this power. Think about this. Okay, let me, let, me just make it, let me just make it practical. I want you to think about this. Let's say you got up in the morning and you're driving to work. And you stop at Panera and you get a coffee. And you put the coffee in your car and you turn and the coffee spills all over you. It's a bad day. You get to work and your boss says, Jacob, come on in. He says, hey, listen, man, we're cutting five positions. I'm so sorry. You're terminated. You're like, oh, man, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And then you're stressed out driving home. Everything you've got in your office, you've got it in your car. And, and then you're so not focused. And boom, you re another car. It's your fault. 
they're not hurt, but you got all this damage, you got to deal with this now, more stress, and you get home and, 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 and you're taking the stuff out from your office, from your car, and you're walking in and you drop a vase on your foot. And you break your foot. Only to walk in your house and find that a pipe, a water pipe busted, and there's three inches of water in your living room. Look, oh, that, was, that, was, that was last week for me. I, I, you sit there in the middle of your living room, and three inches of water with a broken foot that you just got fired looking at your crappy car that just fell apart. And you're thinking, man, this is the worst day of my life. So you hobble to the mailbox, might as well check the mail, and you see a letter from your uncle Sven, who lives in Minnesota. Shout out to all my Swedish people in the house. I'm not Swedish, in case, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Naturally wrong. But anyway, and your, 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 your uncle's Ben, who's a multimillionaire, unfortunately, he, he passed, and he left all the nieces or nephews, each one $15 million. And you read this letter, and you're like, nah, man, that can't be real. So you open your phone, and you check your bank account, and somebody just deposited $15 million in your bank account. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> Whenever I use this example in therapy, People are like, well, you know, I guess I'd be happy. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> be happy. You'd be doing cartwheels in a tutu up and down the street. I don't know why I had that image. That was just weird. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Two minutes before, it was the worst day of your life. And one little thing happens, and it's the best day of your life. That's, that's what emotions are. They're just neurochemicals. And Satan uses them. They're a beautiful thing. I love emotions. But Satan uses them to make you think that that's reality. They would come into my office when I was pastoring. I guess I'm back pastoring, but... <laughs> yeah, we fell out of love. I don't feel anything for him anymore. I don't feel anything for her anymore. Yes. Yes, you've got three children under five. You haven't slept in a year. One's got reflux, the other one's got diarrhea. This guy, his boss is a jerk. You don't know how you're gonna pay the bills and you haven't had sex in two months. You know, let's be real, right? And you're ready to throw it all away because of emotions. If I stuck you in a two-week cruise in Hawaii without the kids and some rest and some relaxation and some connection and some intimacy and sunshine and exercising and eating well, you'd fall right back in love. But yet, we believe that these emotions are real. And we make life-altering decisions. And if you want to give Christian love, Christian love is not based on emotions. It is a decision. Emotions are always going to fluctuate. you got to decide, I'm going to love my brother. I'm going to love my sister. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to do right at work. I'm going to have an honorable life. I'm going to honor God is a daily decision, no matter how you feel. Flip that up for me, please, Jeff, if you don't mind. Look up on the screen with me. True love is a decision that lasts, not an emotion that fluctuates. True love is a decision that lasts, not an emotion that fluctuates. And those of you all that have been with me for years know that this bottom one is probably my favorite. This might be on my tombstone someday. It says, you don't feel your way into an action, you... I can stop right now, man. It's a good day. 
Those of y'all have been with me for years, you know this thing is, this, this might go on my tombstone. You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. Let me, let me just, let me unpeel it a little bit more. Hey ladies, hey men, just chill out for a second, okay? Let me talk to the ladies a little bit. This is for men and women, but, but women, the way your brain is built, you're built more emotion. I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but the connection from the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex is denser in men's brains. So they're able to shift more to compartmentalizing and logic, usually a little bit better. Not every man, not every woman, it's a bell curve. But um, you have to really be extra careful about this. When I feel this way, I'm gonna love my husband. No, love your husband and the feeling will change. When I feel this way, I'm gonna reach out to my wife. No, reach out to your wife. When I feel this way, I'm gonna go to the gym. No, go to the gym. Don't feel your way into an action. Act your way and the feeling will come. I ain't never met somebody that got up, did not feel like going to the gym, went to the gym, exercised, took a nice shower, had a cup of coffee and said, you know, I really regretted that. <laughs> well, well, when I feel this way, if you use that sentence, when I feel this way, I will, you will have a miserable life. You will be a slave to your emotions. That's why you can raise your hands on Sunday morning and praise the Lord and sit home at one o'clock on Tuesday night and weep because there's no consistency. Love is a decision. And today we're gonna to look at Stephen who makes a decision and says, I'm going to continue to give love. I'm, go I'm not gonna be bitter. I'm not gonna be miserable. They did me wrong, but I'm going to continue to give love. But before we get to that, we gotta first look at the people because people sometimes make it challenging to love. Amen? Look, I, I could love if, if, if it wasn't for people. <laughs> this religious leader is the Sanhedrin. Pick up with me in verse uh, 57. Look at what they put this poor guy through. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Life is not fair. I could stop here. We're going to dismiss. Have a good day, guys. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm goofing around, but I'm not goofing around because some people cannot get over the fact that life is not fair. That people can be mean and cruel. And it messes with them because it, it, it's not right. People should be honest. People should be fair. When I was younger, we used to go cruise at Clearwater Beach. That was the spot back in the days, man. And I remember going, actually, with, with Mike Brown, man. Me and Mike Brown used to go down there and cruise. We didn't have a cool Jeep back then, Damien, but, but we, we cruised down there. And, and I remember, um, I don't know, I was like in high school or fresh out of high school, something around there, 17, 18. And I remember seeing this sticker. Oh, it just stuck with me. It was in the back of the car in front of us in Clearwater Beach. It was a black sticker. had white writing. Very simple. It simply said this. People suck. <laughs> now. I'm an optimistic person by nature. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm happy, I, 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 you know, I, I see the glass half full, I'm like, hey, good things are gonna happen. I, I roll that way, and at 20 years old, I remember seeing them, like, man, that's a pessimistic, what a miserable person. 
At 46, I'm like, yo, there's a lot of wisdom in that sticker. And I'm sure when I get to 86, I'm like, solid gold, man. Some of my older people are like, yeah, brother, I could have told you that. You didn't have to go to seminary. <laughs> Five minutes at Panera. <laughs> people suck. They do. You know how I know? Because we suck. All of us have hurt people. All of us have done wrong. All of us have lied. Hopefully it's not a lifestyle. But the point is this, what's this guy doing that was so horrible? I mean, I mean, think about this for a second. What's he doing? He, if you look at the story earlier, he's just feeding the widows. He's giving hungry people food. He's telling people about the Messiah. He's saying Jesus is the way. Sometimes you don't have to do something bad to have people be bad to you. Oh Lord, that was halfway decent. I might get the recording for this one. Sometimes you don't have to do something bad to have people do something bad to you. It's just a lot of times people don't want to hear truth. Go shine some light in the darkness. Somebody's going to be ticked. When you speak the truth, people often have one of two reactions. Flip that up for me, please, Jeff. The, the slide, if you don't mind. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we're going to put a bigger uh, screen up here, so bear with us here. We, we got the screen. We just need to put it. Uh, speaking the truth, when you speak the truth, usually one of two things happens. It convicts people's hearts. Some people surrender. Like, yo, I, I got to get this right in my life. I got to stop doing this way. I got to act different towards my wife. I, I got to change my habits. I, I, I got I to gotta get this attitude. I got to stop the bitterness. Man, that racism in my heart. I got to stop. God convicts us to correct our life so we look more like Jesus. But some others don't want to do that. I want to live for God, but I want to hold on to what I'm doing. I want to live for God, but I still want to not forgive my ex from 12 years ago because I'm still bitter. I want to live for God, but I still want to hate people for the color of their skin. I want to live for God, but I still want to live however I want to live. And some people struggle against God. And they fight God. And they fight God. And they say, hey, you know what? Instead of having truth, 2 Timothy 4.3. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Great epistle, by the way. It's the last epistle he wrote before he, he was killed under Nero. But he says, people will not put up with sound doctrines. Watch this. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So instead of me adjusting my life to the word of God, let me find a teacher that will say and make the word of God adjust to me. Stephen is like, yo, this is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This is the Jesus that changes your life and heals your heart and, 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 and binds up your wounds. And they're like, no, we don't want to hear that. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. Look at, look at the response of these people. Look with me at verse uh, 57 real quick. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out the city and began to stone him. 
about this for a second. This is a Sanhedrin. This is the governing council. These are supposed to be elderly, distinguished men. And their theological response to Stephen proclaiming the Messiah is, I can't hear you. I'm not joking. Isn't that what it says? You know what it says? They covered their ears and screamed at the top of their lungs. And then the Bible said they, they rushed the poor guy. And then and, and, and the Korine Greek word there is hormao, which is the same word that they use for stampede when pigs just go crazy. You see, when you're bitter, it'll make you act like a child. That's a whole other sermon. I can't unpack it right now. But God laid that on my heart. I actually took notes on a napkin when I was preparing because I was like, man, there's a sermon in that. When you are full of bitter and hatred you will act like a child and right there they decide they're going to charge him and, and, and now at this point watch how Stephen responds because look let's be honest you can't control the actions of other people you can't control their actions but you can control your reaction to their actions and Stephen's like hey I'm not playing your game dude you want to come at me like that <laughs> come at me bro you want to come at me like that fine but I'm not going to get entangled in it. I'm going to deal with it, but not get entangled with it. Pick up at verse 59. And this is such a profound lesson for how we deal with things in life. I will never wear a sweater in this church again. <laughs> you know, I was enjoying the three days of winter we have in Florida. And I was like, man, I never get to wear this sweater. You know, and they always like rag on me because I wear t-shirts and jeans and I don't have anything else. Um, but I'm like, man, this looks good, man. I'll put it on. And what's a good idea at 5.30 in the morning when it's cold outside is a stupid idea when you're preaching in a packed out church. Amen? So praise God. Lesson learned today. That's my sermon. Pick up. It looks nice though. Like I said, okay. Pick up with me verse 59. Look at his response. They're, ha they're hateful. They're mean. They're bitter. But he's like, I'm, you're not taking me. You're not taking me there. Look at what he chooses. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, watch this, watch, this is, this is beautiful. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Wow. You can't control their actions. You can control your reactions to their actions. You always have a choice. Well, they, he said that about me. They did this to me. He acted this way. She, yes, 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 but you still have a choice. The Bible says, while... They were stoning him. He prayed. Just chewing that. While they were talking bad about me, I prayed. While they took the money, I prayed. Pay attention to this. The Sanhedrin, where was their focus on? Their focus was on Stephen. But Stephen's focus was on God. Their focus was, how do we destroy this guy? And he's like, you forget who my God is. He's got an eternal mindset. 
He dealt with it. He's addressed the issue. He's already, for the previous chapter, he gives them the whole history of Israel. But he doesn't get entangled in it. Look, you've got to deal with problems. When the bills come, you can't say, I praise you, Jesus, pay your bills. <laughs> deal with situations, but don't get entangled in situations. Because the more you're entangled, now you're tossing and turning, you've rehearsed the thing 17 times in your head. Now you're useless to God because you ain't got no energy or strength to focus on the Lord because you're consumed by it. Now when we see this, like, wow, that's so beautiful. In the middle of all that, he turns around and says, my eyes are on you. That's beautiful. But he doesn't make that decision right there. That decision was made through years of discipline. There's a stupid saying, oh, when times happen, people rise to the occasion. They don't. You fall back to your training. I've seen this in the military. Where's Ronnie at? I'm sure you've seen it in the military, right? Yeah. Everybody's a stud on the firing range, right? The bullets getting sprayed over your head. Let's see how much of a stud you are. Everybody's a hero in their mind, right? You ever, you ever picture that? Like, man, if somebody comes in this bank and tries to rob him, I'm going to karate chop him, and I'm going to take the thing, and I'm going to be like, hey, I got this, guys. We're good. We're good. Right? Right? Until a robber comes in, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, I'm for real, man. Everybody's a stud in their mind, right? You don't have to, just look at me like you know what I'm talking about. I got, but you know in your mind, we've all like, oh, I will take the gun and I'll twist his arm. And, and I got a couple of months of MMA, I got you, man. Rear naked choke, rear naked choke. They got a gun. Walk away. Mama loves her baby. But the truth is this. It's your training that you revert back to. It's what you know. And Stephen, this is why it's really foundational. If you say, Rami, if this is a message, you come to hear me and you leave and you have no intention of doing it, cool. But if you really want to apply this stuff, you have to recognize that it's consistency, it's discipline, it's training. Flip that up for me, Jeff. Stephen didn't get that way overnight. True love is built on decision, discipline, training, and time. Now, you can't see my disclaimer because our thing is small, but it says, my apologies to the Bachelor fans. Because I ain't got nothing against The Bachelor. But that love is all emotions. That's why it never lasts. Ain't the, the, you, know, you ever see, like, none of those really, you got, how many of y'all have seen The Bachelor? Raise your hand. You know why these relationships never last? It's all emotions. If you put me in Hawaii with candlelight dinners and waterfalls and no stress and no work and no bills and no responsibility on the beach all day. I can fall in love with a cardboard box. <laughs> this, I'm going to get back to the message. But if I, if I was the producer of The Bachelor, oh Lord, it would look something like this. I'd have the couple be stuck in a house. Haven't gone out in three weeks. I'd put four children. <laughs> One's got reflux. One is just a mean kid. <laughs> You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and the other two would just, you know, be rough. And, and I would make the boss be a jerk. And I would make stress. And I would make, she's mad at him. And she doesn't like the way he chews. And, and, and I would throw all that together. And then let's see if they're still in love. If they're in love, then it's true love. Let's take a look at this. The, Stephen didn't make that decision right there. Stephen didn't make that decision. He, first in your life, if you want to honestly live a godly love, first you got to decide that you're going to love people as Jesus loved you. That's a decision, right off the start. If you can't make that decision, the rest of it is pointless. I will treat my coworkers this way. I will treat my spouse this way. I will treat my parents this way. I will treat my children this way. It's a decision. 
And then it takes a non-sexy part. It's called discipline, which nobody likes anymore. What's the shortcut? What's the fastest way I can get this love? I ain't got a shortcut for you. It's discipline. It's doing it over and over and over. Training. Actually put it in the practice. Help people. Be kind. Ask somebody how they're doing and watch this. Listen. You want to do something fun? Sometimes when somebody, hey, how you doing? And they're walking by, tell them miserable. <laughs> you be, no, no, no. I, I, all joking aside, I've done this many times and they're like, oh, okay, and they walk by. <laughs> if you don't believe me, try it at the rap house, guys. Watch this. I was like, hey, how you doing? Miserable. But just say this, well, hey, you doing okay? It's good to see you, I'm miserable. Yeah, okay, it's good to see you. <laughs> because nobody really cares. Put it in a training, love, care, listen. When somebody interrupts you, take a minute and listen. They're dealing with something. And time, there's no sexy shortcut. It takes three to six months to develop a habit. You want to live a godly life? You want to love the way God loves? You want to make a decision and be able to live that way so Stephen can say, hey, you trying to kill me? I'm still going to love you? It just takes time. 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 There is no shortcut for this thing. It keeps going. And uh, go with me again to the scripture real quick. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. While they were stoning him. He chooses to focus on God. What you focus on in your life is going to dictate what your emotional state will be. I do this thing in therapy and, and, and it's, it's, it's great, man. I highly recommend it. You can use it with family members or whatever. It's great. But um, my office now is pretty plain. Y'all know you guys always rag on me. Like, put something in your office. Put something in my office. I don't have anything in my office. It's very simple. My old office, I used to do it. I was in the building next door. I had a lot of different things. And, and I would do this thing in there. And my files were, were read at the time. And, and I, uh, there's a reason I'm telling you that. But I remember I would have people come into my office in a session. And I would say, hey, look around the room real quick. And I've shared this with some of y'all. Look around the room real quick at everything that's black. Quickly, quickly. Look at everything that's black. Quickly, look at everything that's black. I'm going to test you. I'm going to have you close your eyes. Close your eyes. And they're like... I'm like, all right, now tell me everything that's red in the room. And they say, well, they always answer the same way, always. Oh, no, no, you said black. I'm like, oh, don't open your eyes. I know what I said. Tell me everything that's red in the room. My folders at the time were all red. I had, I had a clock, I had red all around it. My stapler was red. Sometimes they were wearing red. I would purposely put red pens on the desk before it because I knew I was going to use this in therapy. And they couldn't say, uh, 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 and I'd say, open your eyes. And there's red all over the room, but all they could see is the black because that's what they focused on. Tell me what's great about your husband. Tell me what stinks about your husband. They're both there. Tell me what's wonderful about your wife. Tell me what's horrible about your wife. They're both there. Tell me what's great about your job. Tell me what sucks about your job. They're both there. What you focus on in your life is what you're going to see. They couldn't see the red because all they were focusing on is the black. I'm telling you, this thing works. Obviously, make sure they're both colors there because it would really be stupid. But anyway, try it. Try it. I did it, I did it on my kids. Try it. When they were younger, I remember. Just, just try it. Have the person focus on something. They will not see anything else but what they want to see. 
So if you focus on God, if you're in the Word, if you got worship music in your car, if you're getting up and spending some time in devotion, if you're coming to church every Sunday and that's your focus, guess what? The attitude will change. And the attitude will change and guess what's going to come out of you? Love. Even in the face of betrayal and hatefulness and meanness, love comes out. And that's what you see over here with Stephen. It's not because Stephen was so amazing. It's because God is so incredible and he lived it and he walked it. So when the trial came, he reverted back to what he knows. And here is the result. Here's the point we've getting all that too. Here is the love that he chooses to still give. Even when they're hurtful to him. Pick up with me in verse 60. Then... Can't even go further, man. Then, don't miss that. Because what you're going to hear coming up only happened because he first focused on God. Remember it says what? He was looking what? At God. He was praying, right? Then, that means what I'm going to read now is a byproduct. Because a lot of times people want the result, but they don't want the work. So that word then, there's a sermon in that word. Go with me to 60. Then, after he focused on the Lord, after he disciplined himself, after his eyes were on Jesus, then he fell on his knees and cried out. Watch this now. Watch this love to the people that have lied about him and hurt him and brought false witnesses against him. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Obviously, asleep means that, that, he, that he died. <sighs> It's incredible that somebody can be doing that to you and you still decide to still love them. I got to put a disclaimer on this before we go on any further. God did not call you to be a doormat. So if I uh, have money and I put it here and Jeff has robbed me the last four times, the fifth time, I can still love Jeff. But the fifth time, I'm not putting my money there. Amen? The Bible said, be as peaceful as doves and as wise as serpents. Right? So, what am I saying? Flip that up for me, please, Jeff. Sometimes you have to change your actions to protect yourself. But it does not necessitate or require a change in heart. Let me explain. You might have to leave a certain job because of abuse. I had a lady one time, her husband was putting her head through a wall. I'll never forget it. She's like, well, I have to. I said, you have to get out. We can deal with everything else later. But first, you need to be out of that environment. Sometimes you have to make decisions in life to protect yourself. I get that. But the heart doesn't have to change. You don't have to be bitter and miserable and hurtful and make people suffer. You suffer, they suffer, everybody suffers. So yes, sometimes you have to change your actions, but it doesn't mean you have to change your heart. So if you are consumed by bitterness, you gotta let stuff go, man. You're just killing yourself. I'll show him, dude, it's been 17 years, let it go. My brother took an extra 10,000 in the inheritance in 1978, let it go. I've been at people's bedside as they're dying in hospices and homes and, and, and hospitals. I ain't never met a single man. Believe me, I've been at many bedsides. And I was like, you know what? I regret 
I only held that grudge for 15 years against my brother. I wish it was 17. <gasps> I'm glad I didn't talk to my mom for three years. I showed her she was a bitter lady. <gasps> I wish it was five years. I've never seen it. I've held their hands many as they were dying. In 25 years of ministry, not one person ever said, I wish I was more miserable. I wish I was more bitter. I wish I was more unforgiving. That mother-in-law of mine, you don't know her, Rami. Yeah, you married her son. And he loves her and she loves him. How about a little grace? Because you're going to be on your deathbed too someday. Don't ever forget that. Yes, you can change some actions, but don't let that change your heart. One other thing I'll share with you and then I'll be done. Chew on this. Because this is going to help you love even when people are hurtful. The person that is trying to destroy you is often already destroyed. Y'all getting something out of this? I'm preaching to myself today, man, so I don't care. If you guys don't lie, I'll tap myself on the shoulder for this. <laughs> the person that is trying to destroy you is often already destroyed. Again, I'm not saying you have to be a doormat, but I'm saying it'll give you a different perspective. So there will be less hate and less bitterness and more empathy and more compassion. Yes, I'm still going to not lay my money down here. But now I want to have that hatred in my heart. I had a guy at my uh, a church in, in Tennessee and I'll call him Steve. That's not his name. I don't know who watches these, just out of respect. It's been many years, and he wasn't in church that long. He's probably never going to see it, but just in case, I'm not going to use his real name. This dude was challenging. He was not nice. I'll leave it at that. One day, we had a potluck dinner, which we're going to be having one here soon. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. And, and we're sitting there. And, and I'll, I'll never forget this. As a pastor, I was raised, you, you eat last. You make sure all your people are taken care of. So I'm, I'm in the end of the line, and I'm waiting. And a few people over was, was uh, Steve. I almost said his name. Steve. And Steve was right there. And he's standing in line, and there was an elderly lady at the church, probably early 80s. She walks up to get a napkin, and this is exactly what happens. What are you doing? The line is back there. You can't cut. You can't cut. It was one of the most embarrassing, awkward things. And we got like visitors in the chair. I'm like, oh, dear God. So I walked up real quick. and I'm like, Steve. Sorry. That's hard to lie. Steve. I'm like, Steve, buddy. I'm like, hey, she's just getting a napkin, man. It's, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. He's like, he's like I'm just telling her that the line's, the line's back here. I'm like, yeah, hey, buddy. It's okay. So she took the napkin. The poor thing. She walked back and almost gave her a heart attack. And... I remember that night we got done. I was locking up the church and everything. And I remember a person was telling me about Steve. And said, oh, Steve is such a jerk. And he's this and he's that. This is not his first time. He, he, he was a very jerky guy. And I didn't say anything. And I remember she looked at me and she goes, I'll never forget the sentence. There you go, psychologizing him again. <laughs> that was what she said, exactly. There you go, psychologizing him again. And I said, it's not that. It's just, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. 
Like if any of us, if like you see an elderly lady reaching for a napkin, what are you gonna do? Here, here you go, ma'am. Is there anything else you need? Right? I mean, it's just, so if somebody's acting out of norm, then there's gotta be something. A few weeks passed and we had a church work day and we're out there just kind of trimming the bushes and picking weeds and stuff. And him and I are talking. It's not a therapy session or anything. We're just talking. And as we're talking, I find out Steve starts sharing me how he was abused by his stepdad when he was young. And the sad thing is the mom actually sided with the stepdad. Long story short, the kid gets removed from the house, winds up in, in, in foster care, 13 foster homes, one of which he was abused physically, one of which he was abused sexually. And we're still picking weeds and he's just sharing a story. And I remember it, I was like, it makes sense now. Because people that have been abused when they're young, they tend to have very bad relationships unless they work on themselves because they tend to be very hyper-aggressive, very hyper-defensive when they're older because he wasn't yelling at the old lady taking the napkin. He was yelling at everybody that took advantage of him. He said, I'm too big. Nobody else is going to take advantage of me. And I understand that as a therapist, but, 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 but I'm looking at this guy and I was able to talk with him a little bit. He was never going to win Mr. Congeniality, but we were able to work through some stuff. But the truth again, he wasn't yelling at the lady. He was yelling at everybody that ever heard him. And now he was big. Nobody else is going to take advantage of me. It gave me a different perspective. You're able to love because you recognize, again, the person that's trying to destroy you has already destroyed themselves. Or else they wouldn't be trying to destroy you. But you don't understand that guy at work. He's a jerk. Everybody hates him. Yes, do you think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I'd love to have everybody hate me? Like, chew on that for a second. Because sometimes we're so consumed that the person is a jerk. Do you think there's anybody who wakes up and says, I would love for everyone to hate me? I want to be the annoying guy. I want to be the person like, oh dear God, just keep walking. Yeah. Nobody wants that. So if there is that going on, that means that they must be hurt or broken themselves. You see, hurt people hurt people. Stephen could look at them and, and, and the Sanhedrin meant well. They thought they were protecting the faith. They thought they, they, they were doing the right thing. They thought they were helping and Stephen could look and see past that and see the humanity in these people. And he says, hey, hey, I don't feel like loving you, but I'm choosing to make a decision to love you. You see, Christian love is not an emotion. It's a decision. Come on, Rami, they're so hateful, how can I give love? Because the only way to stop hateful is with love. I can't wrap my mind around that. Good. Wrap your mind around this. Jesus did it for you and me. When he went to the cross, he did it for you and me. He says, hey, Rami, you're hateful. But I love you enough to go to the cross. God forbid if I receive this love and don't give it to anybody else. True love is a decision and not an emotion. Let's walk out the door and live that today. Father God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time we have together. I ask, Lord, that you... This is one of those sermons that's really easy to preach, but it's awful hard to live, God. I wouldn't dare judge anybody here. Everybody here has got their own issues, their own struggles, their own hurts. They've been let down by people. And Lord, 
I know sometimes we have to change certain actions, but I ask in Jesus' name that our hearts would not be consumed by bitterness. Our hearts would not be consumed by anger. Our hearts would not be consumed by rage, but they would be consumed by you. The Bible said, while they were stoning him, he was praying. While all their focus is like, how do we destroy this guy? His focus is like, hey, how can I reach out to my Lord? Help us to have mercy. Help us to have compassion. Help us to have discipline. Say, I choose to be kind, even when they're unkind. I choose to be forgiving, even when they are not forgiving. I choose to love, even when they hate. God, we can't live this message. I'm too weak. I'm too weak to live this message. I'm not bragging on Stephen. It was you working in Stephen. So I ask you, God, work in me, work in us, that as we leave today, the sermon is not, oh, that was a nice message and let's go eat. But that we can live this message to be your hands and your feet. Lastly, Lord, as we close, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray today they make that decision. I pray they come forward and say, I want to get right with the Lord. I want to know that if I die today, I'm going to heaven. What are people going to think around me? Who cares what they think? I pray they stop and say, what will God think? We're going to open up here if somebody needs to come forward today and give their heart to the Lord. They make that decision today. It's real simple. Jesus died on the cross, paid for all of our sins. And if we accept that by faith, when we die, we stand clean before the Lord. Not because any of us are clean, but because all of our sins were paid for on the cross. No religion can save, a revival church can't save, a pastor can't save, only Jesus saves. I pray if there's somebody who has to get right, maybe there's some bitterness or some anger that needs to be let go of today. Maybe it's, it's so ingrained, there's a foundation of anger. It's been 17 years and they can't let it go. Maybe today they leave it at the foot of the cross. Maybe they come forward and say, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. Let me walk out of here different. Let me go to sleep at night knowing that I'm not carrying that burden anymore. And lastly, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. God, if there's somebody that feels led, say, hey, I want to join this church. I want to come here. I want to labor. I want to toil. God, move on their hearts. I'm not here to offer them anything. I pray they come here not with the attitude, oh, I enjoy this. I like this. What can I get out of this church? But rather say, God, use me. Use my talent. Use my ability. You've laid a vision on my heart, Father God, that one day those homeless and drug addicts that we see right out here on 19 and Mile Stretch in that gas station, you know, Lord, what I'm talking about. That one day this church is there hugging on them and loving them and giving them sandwiches and teaching them about Jesus. Lord, if somebody wants to come here just to be entertained, there's plenty of amazing churches. This isn't it. Raise an army of the living God in this place. Help us to love as you loved us first. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand up with me as we close. We're going to open it. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, come forward. Make that decision today. We're going to do that afterwards. Let's sing out together. And I will put my trust in you Church, come on. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. 
Listen to a production of Revival Christian Church. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us on the web at revivalccfl.com/go.